we promised you a great man. Oh, Alright everybody, welcome back to another podcast here on Rogue Opinions and we here really think ourselves as creative guys and we've tried creating bands, we've made full wrestlers but and as much as we like to criticise WWE's career we decided to take a crack at ourselves and we've booked ourselves an entire pay-per-view card from top to bottom and we're going to see what it's like to be part of the creative team I'm joined much like Vince McMahon would be back in the 90s by a pool with my inner circle of creative minds, my Bruce Pritchards, my Jim Cornettes. Please welcome Jamie Baxter and Nathan. Uh, who's who? I don't know. Uh, look at the Jimmy's JR, you're Bruce Pritchard, I don't know. All right! Woo! I did not really think you'd ask me that. <laughs> uh, uh, wow, I've got a podcast, so. <laughs> what is Jimmy then? Uh, well, hey guys, um, I'm ready. I'm ready to make. I'm ready to make a pay per view. Who's that? <laughs> Jimmy Jacobs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, hi guys. I'm ready to make a pay per view, guys. I'll well, be. Um, I'll be Brian Gowertz. See if I can disappear and go become a millionaire with The Rock. And, well, I'll just be playing the role of Vince and I'll tell you whether or not your thing is good shit, pal. <laughs> That's good shit. The whole, the whole time I'm going to lay out my matches, I'm just going to be like, well, it's Corey Graves. He's out there and it's good shit. <laughs> it's good shit, man. <laughs> and uh, much like how Vince has, has the funniest thing in his life is pushing people into his pool, it's been agreed then beforehand that the person with the worst car gets pushed in the pool. You guys cool with that? Yeah, I was wondering yeah, why this gigantic pool was outside. I was wondering why that was out there, but I'm, I'm all for it. I just thought I'd help with the ambiance, you know, by pool, booking by yeah. poolside. We're doing this by poolside. <laughs> <laughs> couple, couple mojitos. Yeah. You know. Let's create but, a pay-per-view, brother. Yeah, brother. Brother. So you guys... <laughs> Before we get into this, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I saw a woman catch a dog poo out of her own dog's bum yesterday. How are you spending your time? Yeah, no, this isn't a joke. I was walking home from there's a shop down my road, like a couple of corners down. I went to the shop. Coming back from the shop, I walked around the corner, seeing a woman like crouched down. She had the dog poo bad, she was wearing it like a glove. And she was catching the shit out of her dog's bum before it hit the ground. That's entirely way too considerate. That's like the most British thing I've ever heard. Yeah, but the thing is, the dog was on grass. There was like a grassy area. So it's not yeah. like it was on pavement or someone's drive. Well, you can't and... have like the like the acids and the the, the, the waste inside the, the, the dog's shit like ruining the grass. I'm sure somebody has to take care of that grass. I don't know, because like manure, people buy manure to put on grass like farmers and gardeners and shit literally like shit and um but yeah she had the bag like a glove and she was just palming like the dog's shit 
I don't know, man. I mean, I'm on the weirdo side here. Well, you would you would you catch shit of your? I'm you not. I'm not saying I haven't done that in the past. I've had dogs before, and you know, sometimes you need to give special attention to the uh, to certain areas. Can we have, I thought Scott, we could, can could... I have a word for a second? <laughs> sure. Jimmy, just, um, you know, feel free. Go for the snacks. There's like a nice sort of range. Can I dip my toe in the pool? I won't yeah, go in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go we'll be back in a second. All right. Scott, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. He, like, he's willing to catch shit out of a dog's bum. I'm not really sure how comfortable I am with talking to him anymore. Because oh, yeah, 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 it's so cool. It's quite cool. Like, Scott, what do you think? Should we kick him out? I don't know. I mean, I mean I'm a dog person, but that's, a, that's, even, that's too far even for me. Yeah, like, what else would you get, do to a dog if you're willing to palm its, its shit? I mean, does he wipe the dog's arse as well when he's done? I mean, Jesus. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, is his, is his dog okay? Do we need to, like, call anyone? Like, um... <sighs> I don't know. I think we leave. I think we leave it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's Good great, Jimmy. Yeah, I think we leave it for now. And like, if he says anything weird about dogs, maybe just call someone at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's go book the territory, brother. Oh, Jimmy! Like you said, you weren't gonna get in the pool. Why are you in the pool? I couldn't. I couldn't help it. It's so fun. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> we'll we'll get the. We'll get All right. The... I'm I'm drying off. Yeah. I'm 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 out. I'm out. Okay. 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 I thought we'd have one podcast with three years where we didn't start with a story related to shit. <laughs> have there been others related to shit? <laughs> yeah, last time we, when we did career wrestler Jimmy, you both talked about like twenty minutes about cleaning up people's shit on the floor. Oh yeah, shit, we did. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this it, this just, just like this did genuinely happen, and I was really bamboozled by it. So I was like, wow, I've never seen a human being stoop so low. From now on, the format of the creator shows has to start with a shit story. Uh, things get a little weird, and then we create things. I think that should be the format from now on. That's how you, that's how you book the territory, brother. Yeah, brother. Ooh, 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 brother. Ooh. I'm getting in my uh, I'm getting in my my territory voice here. Like, Ooh, brother. All right. So you guys want to go straight into this, or have you got anything else you want, you want to talk more about other people's shit? No, that was it. I only had that one the shit story recently. Jimmy, you got anything? Uh, I mean, interesting. Interestingly enough, I did see a dog uh with a bag over its paw get get some shit out of its owner's ass. <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm good on shit stories. <laughs> it's like that Family Guy episode where they start skipping through the universes. Yeah, and they reach the one where the hu- humans are the pets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Scott, I think we're 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 going to be well behaved from now on. We're prepared to listen. Fair enough. Uh, I I looked at these questions really in relation to the card, and also we got, we had to come up with the card itself from. Talked about them. I did try to say like minimum of ten matches in your pre-show. Nathan, I know, has went far above that, but we'll. You never said that to me. I did. Okay. There are multiple <laughs> messages. You never listen. This is true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoyed you guys' uh, SummerSlam podcast. I figured you guys 
you guys know what you're doing with regards to booking, so this should, this should be fine. That's good. So what, what was the first question? Well, first off, is an obvious question is, what is the name of your pay-per-view? And I think we'll tie into where the pay-per-view is being held. So uh, I'll start with Jimmy. What is the name of your pay-per-view? The name of my pay-per-view is Coca-Cola Presents Wrestling Beyond the Sun. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes place, and I swear to God, I googled this. This is a real place. It's taking place from the Coca-Cola Coliseum in oh. Toronto, Ontario, Canada, with an attendance of 8,000 people. No. No. Yeah. Scott, can you go next? Because I'm going to have to change my venue on the fly. <laughs> well, my the name of my pay-per-view is Son from a... <laughs> this is almost the, this pay-per-view is almost the rebirth of a promotion in the UK that had had its troubles that went away for a while and now it's back under a new guise. It's one at least 1% better than it was before. This is a show put on by Six Star Wrestling. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> And the name of the show, their first big pay-per-view back, is called Starman Palooza. <laughs> Taking place, and because it's a local venue to me, from the Hydro, SSE Hydro in Glasgow. Yes. Which, and the, uh, it says online 13,000, but I think adjusted with a ring, it'd be closer to 12,000 people. Uh, they did originally want it to be called uh, Pets the Max Presents Millennials Before the Moon. But they did. They ran into some legal trouble with some obscure band from back in the day. So for legal reasons, for legal reasons, they named it, changed the name to Starman Palooza. Nathan. <laughs> so for my name, I've gone very much the direction of imagining what Vince McMahon would want to do. And <laughs> given the last time, without input, I presume he named a show. Um, was back in 2017, which was Great Balls of Fire, which, as rumour has it, is perhaps the only song he knows exists. So this, the name of this show is named after the 1947 film It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> so that's the name of my show. And it is going to take place at the Louisville, Kentucky arena called the KFC Yum Center. <laughs> which apparently has a maximum attendance of 22,090 people. Holy shit! The KFC Yum Center. Why do we have such terribly named, like, arenas in this fucking country? Jesus. I mean, you've also got fucking New Orleans with the Smoothie King Smoothie Center. King Center. Yeah, that was nearly where I went when I just found out that um, the Coca-Cola place had been double booked. <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> see I was going to go to a bigger arena I was going to go to a Hampden Park which is where the stadium for the Scotland national football yeah. team which is around 50,000 but I thought six star wrestling would, wouldn't want to jump that high for its first major show they want to uh, go, want to go a, bit, bit further, a bit down Let's try the hydro for now and see how you go play it by yeah. you imagine being a British promotion and booking out giant venues so that you can't fill them. That would be crazy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, like, nutty. But, but yeah, the KFC Young Centre, which apparently exists. Awesome. Jimmy, uh, is there, does your 
pay-per-view have a theme song? Yes, my theme song is Thunder Horse by Death Clock. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, Th- Death Clock is a fictional cartoon band from a uh, cartoon here in the States on Adult Swim called Metalocalypse. Um, and uh, I believe that we're going to try and put in some clips. So I'm just yeah, going to be quiet okay. for a second and we can put in a clip here. And that's wow. the theme song. That's wow. a real good theme song. It's riveting, I know. It's really that's powerful. Amazing. It's amazing. So, for my theme song, we want Six Star Wrestling wanted a uh, theme song that says, We're back, and we're better than ever, and we're here to put on one hell of a show. So, the theme song for this pay per view is Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. <laughs> because that's so good. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I don't familiar with Mark Morrison, but I heard the song for the first time in an episode of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and then I heard it again on the radio when I was uh, when I was out one the other day, and since then I haven't been able to stop listening to it. And like, we're gonna put that clip in right now and tell me when you listen to this that you do, you don't suddenly feel way cooler than you actually are. Feels wanted it. How cool do you guys feel? Oh, like a 13. I'm feeling so cool right now. Yeah, if I ever want to forget just how white I am, I listen to that song. <laughs> hey, you're talking to the guy. You're talking to the guy who championed the uh, the yacht rockers. So I'm feeling I'm feeling just cool enough. Nathan, what's your song? If you have one. Uh, well, if you want to be reminded just how white you are, <laughs> my my song. We've gone with uh, Justin Bieber's "Never Say Never." For the theme song for our wrestling show, be like, Scott, 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 do, do you mind if I do you mind if I just talk to you over here real quick, just for a second, sure. just for a second? Yeah, Nathan, Nathan, uh, could you would you mind go and uh, fix it? Go fix yourself a drink, man. I'll, I'll be right be, be right over here with Scott. Scott, okay, I'll be back in a second. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. Scott, he picked a fucking Justin Bieber song, dude. I know what the hell we mean. I had to return to the Mac, and then he brought the coolness way down. Like, like, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I came in, I came in with like a hard rock and a like a metal theme. You have a, like, just like a super awesome, like, proud to be white song, and and then we get fucking Justin Bieber over here. What is this shit? I know. I mean, but I mean, this is what he seems like. What the hell is his card gonna look like? I mean, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not hopeful, but I mean, we're here, we're doing Does it. Does anyone else want a drink? Uh, I, yeah, I'm just good. Refill will be fine. That'd be, that'd be great. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Okay, what? man. What the fuck, dude? I mean, we're we're already recording. I guess I guess. All right, we'll, we'll stick with it. We'll stick with it, and we'll just we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah, uh, let's just play it. All right, all right. All right. That, oh, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. No worries, man. No worries, man. Yeah, cheers, man. Thank you. Yeah, Justin Bieber's "Never Say Never." We'll put that in right now. Really? No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on from Justin Bieber, Jimmy. I would like to know, who is your show's commentary team? My show's commentary team is the illustrious team of Corey Graves, Mauro Ranallo, and Golden Boy from AEW's uh, Fight for the Fallen. Or no, I think he was Double or Nothing. No, 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 Fighter Fest. He was Fighter Fest. There we go. You go there eventually. <laughs> yeah, the other the other, other show. <laughs> wow. So, I'll be honest with you, you've taken two-thirds of my commentary team. <laughs> I also have Mauro Ranala and Golden Boy, but rounding out my trio as Excalibur. Oh, not a bad shout. Not a bad shout. I'm going in a different direction. I've huh? got two pairs who are going to alternate throughout the show. 
And I've actually treated this one seriously. Not that I wasn't serious about Justin Bieber. It was everything oh, else I said. But um, I've gone with one pair, which is Mauro Ronaldo and Don Callis from New Japan. Ooh, and cool. the other pair I've got is Jim Ross and Nigel McGuinness. Oh, interesting. I think, they, I think they'd be a really good team. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I don't like trios, and we don't have to have the discussion now, but generally, I really don't like trios for some reason. So I've, well, I went with two pairings. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Uh, I don't usually like trios, but I think this trio would provide great analysis, and also uh, Excalibur and Morrow, especially the like, excitement in their voice when someone pulls at a really high spot. Would just be a pleasure to listen to, I think. Yeah, Maro is awesome at that. So I'm looking forward to TakeOver this Saturday on the WWE Network. For an undisclosed price. <laughs> it's $9.99. Or free <sighs> if you're a new subscriber. Use code ROGUEOPINIONS to get 10% off. That's a lie. Oh, if only we're true. Yeah, get 10% off that. <laughs> Okay, we're That's gonna... a serious answer, so we sh- shall we get into some bullshit? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Jimmy, do you have a pre-show, and if so, what happens on this pre-show? Um, okay, so my pre-show is in the vein of how they used to do the free-for-alls right before the pay-per-view, about 15 to 20 minutes before the show. Um, it's uh, basically just uh, people arriving and people trying to get... Um, uh, just trying to get uh, like interviews with people on the way in. Uh, one, one such interview that takes place is, uh, the revival is backstage and they are standing around with Charlie Caruso because Charlie Caruso should be on everything. She's gorgeous and I love her. Um, and she's back there and she's asking them, you know, why they're even there. They're not booked for a match, uh, tonight. And they start to go off about that. And the young bucks walk in and, uh, they start brawling about who is the better tag team. And, uh, it gets made official by the one and only Eric Bischoff, that these two teams will be going one-on-one at the pay-per-view. Uh, also, uh, Dream, uh, Velveteen Dream gets added to the uh, hardcore scramble match that's supposed to take place for a spot in the main event. Um, when he holds up the show, he goes out into the ring as people are walking in and holds up the show and claims that his shoulder was up in his qualifying match against uh, Ali earlier in the week. So uh, he uh, holds up the show until Eric Bischoff again has to come out and say, you know what? Fine. You want to be in the match? You're in the match. And just so you know, it's a hardcore scramble match. One fall to a finish. And that match is going to open the show. And that's about it because it's a short pre-show. And uh, that leads us into the opening of the show. Nice. I should stress for those listening that we said the, uh, the wrestlers that could be involved. I said any wrestler from any promotion, I did stress that it did have to be alive because I think I think just because so many wrestlers working today, we don't have to bring in like past wrestlers as well. So like any wrestler that's still alive, uh, Nathan, I'm gonna go to you. What happens on your pre-show if that is if you have one? Yeah, I have one. Uh, <laughs> sit down for a few minutes, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna put my feet up. Yeah. So my kickoff panel starts off with the beautiful and illustrious, as Jimmy has already covered, Charlie Caruso. And she's actually with a panel. Sorry, I I love her. She's fine. Go on. Thank you. (laughs) She starts off with a panel of uh, Jack Black as playing Natural Libre. Uh, Mickey Rourke was meant to be there as the wrestler, but he isn't. So 
spell Hulk Hogan playing Rip from No Holds Barred is going to sit in. And also Daniel Day-Lewis uh, playing Abraham Lincoln, who, if you listen to your recent history on the Cultaholic podcast, was a big into wrestling. Uh, there's a lot of kind of wordplay of these characters trying to kind of take over each other as they're trying to talk. So Charlie Caruso actually gives up halfway through, throws her microphone down and walks out. He's quickly replaced by Excalibur, who does a much better job at controlling Hulk Hogan's bullshit. Um, at this point, heel Miz. So in my universe, Miz is currently a heel. He mm-hmm. interrupts and kind of talks about his match with Will Ospreay later in the show. And it's kind of putting over how the WWE is the best place to work and Will Ospreay is nothing but really bad at Twitter. And uh, yeah, uh, that leads us into our first pre-show match as the X-Men animated series theme music, which if you've not heard, I'll, I'll, do, I'll just do it. It goes... Out comes Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman comes out and he's talking about how he's the best Australian. Uh, which brings out Buddy Murphy, uh, and they have a face-off, and they're going to have the first match of the night in an Australia Rules match, which in perhaps my best joke of this entire show is the same as a normal match, but if you go to the toilet, the water flows the other way, (laughs) just for this match. And that's my best joke, and it's on the (laughs) pre-show. It's all downhill from here, gentlemen. Pretty much. (laughs) There's a lot more words I wrote. (laughs) <laughs> and uh buddy murphy wins because he can wrestle is all i wrote uh back to the panel and daniel day lewis has actually decided to retire from acting again at this point so he's replaced by lita and hulk hogan quit so fat massa from being the elite takes over this point in the pre-show panel uh the majority of this section is just them making fat massa say things so that it sounds like he's saying cock in his japanese accent so very much in the vein of being the elite at this point, uh, we flash backstage to where Kevin Owens is smashing up. Uh, it just says Nathan's least favorite part of a pre-show, which is the social media lounge. Uh, <laughs> so he's just smashing that up. At this point, we then flash backstage to a bar in the arena where Yukio Sagaguchi is sat there. Uh, and he is the current DDT Iron Man heavy metal champion. And he's sat at the bar. He gets handed a beer. Uh, by a bar person and it pans up and it's 24-7 champion R-Truth and R-Truth then throws some lemons at him jumps over the bar and pins him and if you don't know what a DDT Ironman Heavy Metal Championship is it's basically like the 24-7 championship but anything can win the title and R-Truth then pins him uh, and he's now double champion and he runs off uh, we flash back to the pre-show panel where it's now just Jack Black doing acoustic Tenacious D songs before we enter into our second match, which is Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross beating Sue Young and the Undead Bride. And the final section of my pre-show, it is R-Truth backstage with both titles. And he goes into the referee's office, which is actually just Earl Hebner's office. Uh, Earl Hebner says he can hide somewhere in here if he wants to. So he hides underneath a rug on the floor. And that's where Earl Hebner realizes what title he has. So he counts to full. And so the rug is now the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metal Champion. I'm well, I'm sorry, Nathan, I didn't realize you should stop talking. <laughs> so I've got two 24 7 titles for my show, basically. <laughs> can I just say, first off, I'll, I'll talk about it more when I get into my main show. There are one or two ideas you have in there that I also have and I hate you for. 
I'm an I, I let you go first. That's why you need a pre-show, my friend. But Yukio Sakaguchi, and I'm sorry if I butchered that, and shout out to you, because he's apparently the current DDT Ironman Heavy Metal Champion. Okay. Well, my pre-show is around 40 or so minutes, and uh, not, not a lot. <laughs> my, mine's basically the length of a takeover. <laughs> <laughs> Again, which is why I I went first. But uh, a lot of it is mostly the commentary team hyping up the matches that are to come, like the main event, which is a six-pack challenge occurring the first ever six-star world heavyweight champion. Huh? And <laughs> I was stress I'm not trying to steal anybody's jokes. And uh, they also speculate about the guest referee, whose identity I will keep secret until the end, about where this great referee's allegiances may lie if he may choose... Uh, to favour any competitors over the other. Oh, and, God, it's uh, Jack Swagger, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Paul, they also mentioned Paul Robinson's death match open challenge later on, and they start speculate who will answer this open challenge. But the main thing I want to talk about in my pre-show is the one match that actually takes place on my pre-show. And I want to see, this is a straight-up comedy match. I want to say I'm trying to give like something for everyone on my card. And I want to see if you guys are familiar with these two men. I know you won't be familiar with the second one, but the first man in this match, Orange Cassidy. Oh, God, he's on my show. <laughs> so you guys are familiar with Orange Cassidy? I love Orange Cassidy. He's my favourite wrestler. Yeah, he's, in, he's incredible. I love him so much. You know, this next wrestler, you probably won't know, uh, but once I tell you more about him, you'll know why he's the perfect opponent for Orange Cassidy. Jimmy, before and Scott finishes this, can we just have a quick word? Oh, for fuck's sake. What's up? Like, Scott's really coming across as a proper fucking smart. Like, um, he's saying, like, oh, you, you might not know who this person is. It's only Orange Cassidy. He was on AEW's, like, one of their shows in their Battle Royal. I mean, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, though. We still have to get through the whole, like, card, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we're all going to come off pretty marky. I don't know, like, but I'm just saying, like, we, he was on one of the most watched shows this year. We all know who fucking Orange Cassidy is. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of upset that he didn't refer to him as freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy, because... Right, yeah, no, he, he's also booked on my show later, and I have literally written the words freshly squeezed every time I mention him. Because yeah, of course, because you have to. Guys, be along. We yeah, have along. Scott, we'll be back in a second. Cool. Like, um, yeah, so, like, uh, maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's allergic to Orange We'll have to find out. We'll yeah, have to find out. Just, yeah. we'll, we'll leave it for now. We won't make it an issue. But we'll yeah, yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Right. Scott, sorry, who's the second person? Well, the second wrestler I actually found out retired the other day, so which is a bit shame, but also this is all fantasy. This is a Scottish wrestler known as Sean Walker. You probably might not know him. And I'll explain to you who Sean Walker is. Sean Walker is a Scottish wrestler who claims he is from the rough projects of Lindsay in Scotland and let me tell you something my gentlemen the so-called projects of Lindsay Lindsay is one of the most it's furthest thing from a project you can possibly get like I walked through Lindsay one time and I seen somebody in the back had a cage in the back garden to hold an owl like <laughs> like I heard Sean Walker in interviews talk about the war, the dangers of a, of a woman in Mercedes giving you a drive-by snidey look <laughs> this man and this man this wrestler he is a white man 
he was born in Scotland. He talks with a strange American accent, and he, along with a tag team known as KOE, formed a trio known as Thug Life. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> and uh, I once watched John Walker in a match with a man called Manlin, whose his title was Street Rat. So, in a match that was backed out in a match that was deemed the Battle for the Streets, to which Sean Walker went backstage and reappeared with a shopping trolley and asked if anyone had a pound. <laughs> so you can see why I thought he and uh, Orange Cassidy would be perfect a perfect match for each other. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, so a lot of the matches, basically, Sean Walker has no idea how to really comprehend Orange Cassidy's methods. He's like, yo, what, what's this guy doing? Like... And like he's, and obviously Orange Cassidy's very slowly hitting Sean Walker, but Sean Walker is selling it like absolute death. And uh, Sean well, that's, Walker, that's that's because Orange Cassidy moves at such a pace that such the human eye can't even like comprehend how fast he's moving. Yeah, we also Guardians of the Galaxy two, where Drax was like, I'm standing so still. I'm invisible. <laughs> that's Orange Cassidy in a in an orange pip. Yeah, and uh, the finish goes where Sean Walker goes for a curb stomp, and Orange Cassidy slowly rolls out of the way and then rolls up Sean Walker for the win. Nice. Going out on his back. Aww. thank you, Sean. Shout out to Sean Walker. Uh, I I. Uh, there is a link to an interview with him. I think I'll, I will send you guys at one point where he just talks. To me. He talks in sadly in his normal voice for most of it. But like, I'll try and show you some like clip or something of him. We'll tweet it out when we chuck this episode out. Cool. But uh, yeah, so that's my pre-show. Wow, some eventful pre-shows. <laughs> yeah. Some more than others. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. First one, ask. Uh, how many matches do you guys have on your main card? Ten. Oh, good question. One, two, three. And I mean proper matches, not 24-7 or DDT Iron Man related. Oh, God, okay. If we're not... I have 12. Oh, okay. no. Yes, I have 12. Okay, so I have nine on my main show, so I think we'll go like... Shall I run through the first two of mine? Yeah, I was going to say, we we'll go for like two of mine. Two yours, then two Jimmy's, then back to main. So. so let me get. So the main card opens. We obviously get Pyro. Pyro out of our ears. We've got Pyro going for days. So much Pyro. And to open the show, out comes who else? But oh, it's Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. They hit the ring and they start just talking about how great they are, and they put over how cool they are and how great like tricycles are. And just sort of how great writing Latin in your entrances. So <laughs> they get interrupted by who else but Cody Rhodes and Brandy. Uh, they come out, but they also say how great they are. And just kind of how great they are. And how they change the world because they're so great. And they kind of basically talk about, I've written down classic YouTube influencer stuff. For my <laughs> reference points of this promo. But they just talk, you know, about how great they are. Uh, they then have a stare down. Um, this obviously is leading to the match later on, which is a mixed tag match between the two of them, uh, which kind of decides who's the greatest of the great people. 
we then hit the opening video package, which basically explains how smarky this show is going to be. And then we hit match number one. So I wanted to get this match out of the way because I just didn't really want it later on hanging over me. So I've got match number one to open the show, The Undisputed Era. Obviously, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly taking on California and Finn Balor, which is the <laughs> OC and Finn Balor. Uh, they get like 25 minutes. It's super good, guys. Real good, uh, which is my description for the entire match. The Undisputed Era get the win because I prefer them, <laughs> and, which is literally what I wrote. <laughs> they get the win. And uh, yeah, Dave Meltzer gave it 5.9 stars and said, word for word in The Observer, wrestling has never started off as good as it has now. There's seven typos in that because it's The Observer. Uh, we then go backstage and we just see a foot standing on the rug from Earl Hebner's office. And the female referee from NXT in brackets, we're not allowed to name referees in WWE, sorry close brackets counts to full and we pan up and who else is it it's only bloody orange cassidy <laughs> and orange cassidy is now the ddti man heavy metal champion uh, he sips his oj and then the scene ends we then go to match two which is jordan grace and tessa blanchard taking on the kabuki warriors in a tornado tag they get about 10 12 minutes it's real good guys dave Meltzer was right wrestling's never been followed up as good as it has in this match it's real good guys so good like i love it um and it gets 4.85 stars and uh yeah the kabuki warriors get the win because i like asuka and those are my first two matches nice two very strong matches to start your card off uh jimmy what are your first two matches uh, my first two matches, uh, the first one, uh, as mentioned in the pre-show, is the hardcore scramble match for a spot in the main event ladder match later on in the evening. It is uh, all of these men, by the way, qualified over the last few weeks on TV, uh, all believe that they are being ignored for championship opportunities. So they've all been thrown into this match uh, for an opportunity at the, the vacant world title in the main event. Uh, it is Andrade versus Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream versus Darby Allen versus Ali versus Jungle Boy. Uh, and the the match ends at a, after about 15 minutes where uh, Ricochet hits a 450 splash on Darby Allen through a table on the outside. Um, and Dream slides in after Ali dives through the rope uh, and uh, g- goes to give him a tope. And Dream just holds up a chair and knocks out Ali, rolling him into the ring and rolling him up for the win in about 15 minutes. Dream moves on to the main event ladder match uh, later on in the evening. Um, and our second match of the evening is the Young Bucks versus the Revival. About 20 minutes, uh, both teams uh, uh, are like the top teams in the world. They want to prove to each other and everybody else that they are the best. Um, as was mentioned in the pre-show, they argue earlier in the back, and uh, this match gets made by Eric Bischoff. And the Revival win after a shatter machine, and the pin breakup gets blocked uh, because the Revival are just an amazing tag team and never get wins, so they beat the Young Bucks in 20 minutes. Those are my first two matches. Nice. Great all-round. Uh, oh, your show has pyro, Jimmy. Does your show have pyro? Of course my show has pyro. 
Yeah, let's get the How much pyro? Oh, I mean, it's so much pyro that it looks like an episode of Thunder, where like the first like half of the show is just smoggy, and you sort of almost have to wipe your screen off to like see the match actually happening in the ring. So good. That's enough pyro. Yeah, I just I just want to make sure we're all pyro. My we have so much pyro that by the time the pyro stops and all the smoke is starting to clear, it's the your whole arena is starting to look like the basement from that seventies show. Oh, that'd be good too. But uh, I have two matches, which I'll be honest with you, both of my first two matches I was tempted to actually put as my main events, but well, uh, I think they're in the right place. We have an eight big eight man tag team match. On one side, we have Losingo Banables de Japon. Represented by Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Sanada, and Shingo Takagi. Sorry, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> Los Ingobernables de Japón. What's that? Uh, basically, it translates to the ungovernables of Japan, but it's a, a stable in New Japan. Oh, okay. See, Sorry. if Carl was here, he'd be loving that reference. For, for reference, just to happen, Jimmy is actually in the business as a commentator and is really smart. Scott's really smart and just knows a lot of stuff, and I don't know anything unless people tell me it happened. Okay, that's, un- that's unfortunate. So, <laughs> obviously, the other there are two other members of LIG. Obviously, Hiromu uh, is out with his neck injury, and Bushi is not with them. But I'll explain with where Bushi has gone to in a moment, and they are taking on all four members of Imperium: Alexander Wolf. Baby Nightmare, Marcel Barthel, and Volter. What's Imperium? It's basically Volter Volter and Friends in NXT UK. Oh, God. Okay. I'm going to that takeover, and I don't know what you just said. (laughs) Well, and you No, I'm not even going to get into it. So basically, the (laughs) the whole idea of the match... The whole idea of this match is basically... On one side, you're the guys who have a kind of casual lead-back attitude to wrestling to the guys who take it super, super seriously. And you have Walter, who's been cutting his promos on Naito and his group, saying that you guys are a, di- are a disgrace to the sport of professional wrestling, the way that Naito just throws about his Intercontinental Championship, like it means nothing to him. And uh, we had a spot where uh, Imperium attacked LAD after a match, and Bushi was apron powerbomb by Walter at least five times to the point where he had to be carried out of the arena and so that's why he's not here on this evening. As you can expect it's a very back and forth. We have a moment where Walter's been pinned in by the other man's at LIG and Naito just grabs Walter's UK championship and just throws it into the crowd. <laughs> like you thought people kicked off when David Starr stepped on it. People are going mental when it got thrown into the crowd. Uh, one of my best, one of the best spots is when Sonata goes red dragon super skull end, and he goes, he turns around, Volter slap, shots him so hard he nearly caves his chest in. Jesus, damn! Um, this mm-hmm. is a violent match. Yep. And basically, I have Lig winning this match, which really annoys, obviously annoys Imperium, with the, uh, Barthel and Eichner going for a double team move, but Eichner gets caught with uh, Nitro's finisher Destino out of nowhere, and then at least Evo and Sanada both push uh, 
Marcel off the top rope and then they make sure that Walter can't get in the ring to break up the cover and LIG win. And That's next, amazing. Next up we have a title for title match. On one side you have the 24-7 champion R-Truth taking on the DDT Ironman heavy middleweight champion. <laughs> Again, I really wanted to see my main event. But we have and uh, I didn't look up who the champion was, but I thought that <clears throat> sorry, Pearson who I've seen in more clips relating to the title than anybody else. So my universe the champion is Joey Ryan. Nice. So we have R Truth versus Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan goes for his penis flex and then he suddenly makes a motion like he's been low blowed. Turns it little Jimmy snuck in the ring and saved R Truth from the penis flex. <laughs> And uh, I must stress, there was a stipulation added to this match where R-Truth would not feel safe if Drake Maverick was sniffing around. So Drake Maverick has been barred from ringside. I must stress, Drake Maverick has been barred. And uh, late into the match, both men are a bit exhausted. And Joey Ryan has a variation of his penis plates from off the middle rope. But he's so exhausted he can't make the cover. Both men are down. And we hear the strange music we haven't heard in a while. And up on the tiny one it reads... Rockstar Spud. They said Drake Maverick couldn't come out. They didn't say that Rockstar Spud couldn't come out. He runs in, he puts his hand on both men's chest. One, two, three. Drake Maverick, sorry, Rockstar Spud is both the 24 7 champion and the DDT champion. He gets to consummate his marriage twice now. <laughs> yes, one title, means, one title means consummation, two titles means anal. <laughs> Look out for that, Rene. Oh. What did we and keep calling her the other day, Jimmy? Oh, oh Rene, we just kept... I couldn't remember what her surname was, so Jimmy went, oh, I'll just call her Rene Dupree. <laughs> <laughs> so for like half the podcast, we were just calling her Rene Dupree. <laughs> so yeah, we have... Uh, we have that, that happens, and he scarpers backstage. As Carmelo's trying to wake up Truth and tell him what happened. And the commentators are trying to make sense and move on with the show. And we will return to both titles later on. God damn it. We've got mm. some stories. So is it back to me? Uh, yeah, your next match. So match two ended, obviously. The Kabuki Warriors did their thing. And we go to the Firefly Funhouse. Uh-huh. And we get a load of chaos of all the puppets. We've got the witch. Uh, but Rambling Rabbit, Rambling Rabbit's in trouble. Rambling Rabbit, sorry, Rambling Rabbit got switchbladed a couple of weeks ago because old Bray Wyatt is on about his opponent later on in the show, Jay Wyatt. Ooh. And he's just talking about how he's not safe, how he has to let him in. He has to let him into the cage because they've got a cage match later on in the show. It's all very creepy, but it's not against Bray. What it's not against Firefly Funhouse, which I always struggle to say. Bray Wyatt. It's obviously against a fiend. Uh, we then go backstage and we see our truth. Our truth is desperately looking for Carmella because our truth is looking for a disguise. With he's still got his twenty four seven title at this point. He finds Carmella and Carmella. Our truth asks for the disguise. Says, "Give me the disguise." And Carmella gets a cane mask out of her purse. And R-Truth <laughs> just puts the cane mask on. And then they just start walking around. 
And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it, guys, I'm Kane. And they get grabbed by the throat suddenly as they walk around a corner and choke slammed. And one, two, three. It's not Kane, it's Lance Hoyt. <laughs> and he gets the pin. He's the 24 Chevron champion. He turns around, but then he gets grabbed around the throat and he choke slammed. And one, two, three. And the goddamn mayor of Knox County is the 24 7 champion because this time it is Kane. And then that leads us into match three, which is. Uh, can someone tell me how to pronounce his first name? Naito Tetsui. Tetsuya Naito. Tetsuya Naito against our boy, the Velveteen Dream. Ooh. And they get like 20 minutes. And it's awesome. Dream looks fantastic. He hits a Dream Valley driver several times. He hits the Macho Man elbow. Uh, Naito's hitting all of his Naito stuff, which my knowledge is dead at this point. Probably throwing people onto their neck. Uh, Dave Meltzer was right. This match was real good. Japan good. Super good. Not as good as PWG, but real good. Wrestling is real good. And yeah, it gets 5.95 stars. Awesome. Uh, Naito wins. uh, The Velveteen Dream gets over like Rover. He comes out just dressed as Andre the Giant for his entrance, which is interesting. But it's Velveteen Dream. Uh, We then go backstage at this point. No, sorry, no. Then we go to some commercials because there's obviously some WWE influence on this show, probably something about a network show. And we come back to an Elias concert. And he's just kind of shitting on, I guess, KFC at this point. (laughs) It was meant to be something else. (laughs) 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 This whole paragraph is now improv. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's shitting on KFC, kind of probably how shit chicken is. Something about how chickens are shit turkey. And then out comes my favorite wrestler in New Japan, Tai Chi, who is also a singer. Scott, is he a singer? Yeah. That's a singing guy. Yes. He comes out singing, and he does loads of singing stuff, and they have a sing-off about how great singing is. Uh, But they're interrupted by the pre-show panelists themselves, Tenacious D. And they come out. Uh, and do some of their songs, obviously, about how this isn't the best song in the world. It's just a tribute. But then Elias, who's kind of baffled and is outside the ring, notices someone sat in the front row and smacks them in the face with the guitar because it was Orange Cassidy with his DDT Iron Man Heavy Metal Heavyweight Championship, however you say it. And Tai Chi then jumps on him and they start brawling out of the ring. But, uh, but OC, not, not California... But uh, Orange Cassidy is out cold. So over the barrier crawls a Jack Black for the one, two, three. And Jack Black is now the um, DDT Man heavy metal weight, whatever it is, champion. Uh, then we go to some more commercials, probably about Ride Along. And we come back to match four, which is LAX versus the Lucha Brothers, Phoenix and uh, Pentagon. Versus the Hardy Boys in a TLC triangle match, or a triangle TLC match, triple threat TLC match, uh, which is an amazing match. It gets 9.75 stars. Uh, Jeff does some dumb shit. And LAX win to unify the AEW and WWE championships. And those are match three and four. A lot of shit going on. Yeah, absolutely. Shame never ends. Yep. It feels like this one will never end either. 
Jimmy. <laughs> um, next up, I have a gauntlet match for the women's title. Uh, the champion, Charlotte Flair, comes out, and she's going to be taking on Tessa Blanchard, uh, Shayna Baszler, Tony Storm, and Asuka. Uh, uh, eventually, this match boils down to about 17 minutes, and Shayna Baszler ends up choking out Tony Storm, who was the first opponent up against Charlotte Flair. She went the distance but couldn't beat Shayna. Shayna Baszler is your new women's champion. Um, so that, you know, that, that always works out because she's great. Um, next up is one of two elimination chamber matches to determine who will end up in the ladder match at the end of the evening. And the first Elimination Chamber match. And I think this is my favorite match that I wrote down just because of how good it sounds on paper. Aleister Black versus Cesaro versus Pete Dunne versus Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. And in in 31 minutes, Pete Dunne, who vacated his Intercontinental Championship for a spot in the Elimination Chamber... Uh, goes the entire distance against everybody in the match and wins in about 31 minutes. So you have wow. an elimination chamber during a spot in a ladder match. Yes, I thought of that, and uh, I'm okay with it because I didn't want to have to set up uh, an elimination chamber match at the end of the night. Yeah, I have two elimination chamber matches to set up the, the, the main event. Yeah. Oh, you're, really, you're really making your wrestlers work, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, fuck it. Before we started recording, someone else had two Elimination Chamber matches as well. <laughs> <laughs> they no longer have any. <laughs> no, no one will know who. Oh, yeah, yeah, no one will ever know. No one will ever know. <laughs> so, also, you can tell so far that the place where I'm from has really influenced my decisions, like the venue and inclusion of sean walker and it's going to continue that influence yeah, yeah you're because... really sounding southern at this point <laughs> thank you real real plymouth boy how dare you I'm not it's, a, it's a super mess of like you had the australia joke early you just had the most niche uk joke so you're welcome audience <laughs> barely even understood it so on the move on on, I mean, what for me is a dream tag team match. On one side, I have the current reigning ICW tag team champions, Lewis Garvin and Aspen Faith, the Kings of Catch. On one side, are you guys familiar with the Kings of Catch? Nope. Well, I was going to say I'd recommend checking them out because they've recently been announced. <laughs> they've recently Jimmy's been just dead. <laughs> they've, they've recently been announced to be going be part of. Uh, OWE's UK touring next month and as part of a tournament to crown the first ever tag team champions <coughs> sorry I had to clear my throat <clears throat> and a lot of their style a lot of people have commented that they are a lot like the Young Bucks in the way they wrestle as a team uh, to the point where Billy Kirkwood uh, I see how you mean commentators refer to when they come out as the Young Bucks ooh <laughs> scandalous <laughs> I used to like it when um, when Billy Gunn and Tommy Dreamer would tag team in House of Hardcore. Do you guys ever see that? No. They would call themselves the old fucks. They had a match, match against the Young Bucks once. It was really, it was a really funny. But they just did comedy match. 
but it was real funny. <laughs> like, it was yeah. the old buck, the young bucks against the old fucks. <laughs> yeah, like they're uh, they do like I think they've embraced at the moment their their comparison to young bucks because they have two moves that are kind of sound like young bucks moves. Like instead of more bang for your buck, they have return on your investment. <laughs> <laughs> And instead of the Meltzer driver, they have the after burner, after Bell after. <laughs> That's amazing. That's clever. That's clever. I love them already. Honestly, I, I I already love them. I already love them. Honestly, I recommend checking them out because back in December, I seen them take part in what is called a Christmas death match. It was. What? What and they recently took part in a TLC recently. Uh, and one of the tag teams, I shit you not, was called the 9 9. But yeah, with all these comparisons, obviously it's the Kings of Catch taking on the Young Bucks and Jimmy is a dream match because they competed before and I think it was a four team match, but they never actually competed to V2. So for me to see the Bucks V the Kings of Catch is a dream match. And obviously it's super kicks out the wazoo, it's super more the commentators try to keep count, but they just they give up after like five minutes, and uh, they go. That's for a lot. Other. That is a lot of super kicks. That's a yeah. hell of a lot of super kicks. Yeah, uh, they try each other's moves. They try the return on your investment. The young bucks block it. They cat things they catch block the uh, the uh, more bang for your buck. But uh, eventually, Matt goes up to the top rope. Things they catch hit a super kick. Matt lands and hurts his back on the way down. Nick gets it for the after burner and the Kings of Catch pick up the win. What oh, legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say, I think I had another point on that, but I've, it's literally just slipped my mind. Oh. Yeah, never mind. The commentators are gushing about what a great tag team match we've just seen when we immediately cut backstage to Rockstar Spud on his phone to his wife. He's like saying it, it worked, coming out as his old persona, it worked. And he's killing her to bring the car around so he can get the hell out of there. Until he's walking down the corridor when a door swings open and just knocks him right out. It is the door, a door to Imperium's locker and Imperium are just stormed out. Wallace stormed out. He's yelling in Austrian to the rest of Imperium. He's angry about the loss. They just wander off and Spud's just left lying there, knocked out. A referee comes to check on him. And then who casually just saunters past Orange Cassidy? He just shrugs his shoulders, puts his <laughs> puts his foot on uh, Spud. The referee counts. Orange Cassidy has both belts. He just drags both belts along the floor until he turns a corner. And who does he see? RVD. <laughs> and this is pretty much the conversation. Hey, bro. Hey, man. What you got there, man? Uh, just one of these two belts. Yeah, cool, whatever, man. Like... It's kind of a drag carrying these both belts. Hey, can I have them? Yeah, you're cool, man. So by just like <laughs> Orange Cassidy just hands both belts over to RVD. Uh, RVD's like walking around around like cool, and he's off presumably to find some weed. To he gets jumped <laughs> from behind. People we don't see who it is clearly at first. But when we see it's Chris Jericho. And Jericho absolutely decimates RVD, leaves him bloody and beaten. And Jericho pins RVD and runs off with both belts. To when we cut back to the commentary desk, and the commentators are freaking out because 
RVD was meant to be one of the six in the main event later on. But after that, is he going to be able to compete? They're all thinking, like, what are we going to do? Until Paul Robinson comes out for the next match, his Deathmatch Open Challenge. And if you've seen Paul Robinson, I watched, I seen him at Shug's house party the other the other weekend. He, uh, he's a very easily dislikable man, is Paul Robinson. He, uh, he talks a lot. He's from South End. South End. South End. It's where I'm from. Used to, used to team with uh, Will Osprey and the Swords of Essex. Oh, okay. I uh, now now it's ringing a bell. Yeah, he he is the Robinson and Boss Bay's Robinson special. Nice. Uh, I remember Osprey talking to Agent Christian about how Robinson does that move, and yes, can I use that in Japan? He went, yeah, just please don't name it after me or anything. It's really corny. He went, oh, yeah, I won't. And then he did it anyway. Will Spray is uh, from, because <clears throat> I'm from Essex as well. Will Spray is from about 10 miles where I'm from. And then, put, then Robinson's from about 10 miles the other way. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I should be a sword of Essex, is basically what I'm saying. Okay. Missed out on a lot of merch money. Yeah, but, uh, Robinson comes out, he's mouthing off. He's talking about how he's the toughest guy in all of wrestling, he said, I haven't seen anybody back there who looks like they could take me. Nobody's going to answer Malcolm Chan's. Let's get this over. And also, there's a few minutes of silence before anybody comes out. And then who comes out <laughs> to answer? What? A few minutes. <laughs> well, we're building anticipation. Uh, for who comes out to answer the challenge? It's Tessa Blanchard. Tessa Blanchard answers Paul Robinson's uh, open challenge because she's like, she like I can with Tori Tori Sammy Callahan, I can I can take you. A Sammy Callahan match was to be serious that Sammy Callahan match was really good. Like I've watched that match. Yeah, um, I've heard really good things. So she comes you, I've seen her entrance. Have you not watched it? I really want to. Oh, it's it's excellent. Make a point. Like that's yeah. a rogue opinions recommendation. Go watch Tessa Blanchard be Sammy Callahan. It's well, I'm like, e- I'm like, it's I'm like excellent. I'm like 10 days behind the bath button G1 that I'm trying to keep up with for like oh, enough wrestling well, in my life at the moment. Fair enough. Well, I'll do a Comrade Thompson where he recommends one match a week on every podcast. So he recommends about 27. But um, go watch Tessa Blanchard v. Sammy Callahan is absolutely excellent. But uh, as you'd imagine, this match gets very violent very quickly. I was just going to say, both of them bleed. Both of them bleed. Tessa's got the baseball bat. She's hitting Robinson in the nuts with it. Uh, Robinson's slamming Tessa off the top into thumbtacks. But uh, Tessa's hitting a, a kind of a variation of a cold breaker with a steel chair. And then eventually Robinson goes for his Robinson special. Tessa moves. It's a variation of a hammerlock DDT into a pair of light tubes. And Tessa Blanchard beats Paul Robinson. Nice. Oh, nice. And as you imagine, all the met all the weapons and all that. The ring is an absolute mess, so the ring crew are trying their best to clean to clean it up, and the commentators are trying to fill time. But then we hear Chris Jericho. He's grabbed the mic. He's got both belts. And he's standing on top of the ramp. And he's yelling all about like I'm undisputed champion yet again. He's telling like I wasn't even booked on this card originally. I had to make my own opportunities. Like this is a disgrace and yelling and all that. Basically, kind of like his fight for the fallen promo, but you know better. 
and then the lights went out and then we see this weird red lighting. Lights come back up. Kane is behind Chris Jericho. Kane chokes Sam Jericho <laughs> on the rampway. One, two, three. Kane is both your DDT Ironman champion and your 24-7 champion. God damn it. People are going to think we wrote our shows together, Scott. Yeah, no, this is getting really... <laughs> This is getting weird. Do you have a camera? Are you watching me write my thing? I wrote mine like two or three days ago. I just made a couple of changes when I came onto onto the recording and I realised, hey, I didn't know me and Jimmy had picked the same venue. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realise we both had two fucking elimination chambers. She will notice an extreme absence of elimination chambers. Can't change everything. Is it me? Yeah, it's you. Oh, my God. So my show takes a real turn for the better at this point. Because in the, very much in the vein of just life, a limo turns up, a super nice limo. And out who, who comes out of the limo, guys? It's only the best in the world. Shane O'Mac. He gets out of the limo. He looks smug as fuck. And then the segment ends because we're on to the actual best in the world. It is dun dun da 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 da. It's only Lacey Goddamn Evans, everyone. The best wrestler on the planet right now. An icon. Forget Sting. Your legends. Forget Ricky Steamboat. Uh, it's Lacey Evans, goddamn everyone. And she's going to be taking on Bea Priestley, or B Priestley, however you say it. I don't know. Uh, It doesn't matter. Like, shut up, Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) They go one-on-one. Like, everyone thought it was going to last an amazing amount of time, but it didn't, because Lacey Evans dismantled this woman. Five minutes, easy, woman's right. B Priestley loses. In Scott, an amazing Scott. way. Scott. And Lacey Evans is... No, 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 Jimmy. <laughs> Lacey Evans wins. Scott, I need to I need to just have a word with you. Can uh, I come? No, no, no. No, no, look, look. I put that picture up from Extreme Rules of uh, Lacey Evans' ass on the wall. Right over there. Right over there. Oh, my God. It's so pretty. All right. So, listen. Um, Did he did he really just have Lacey Evans go over clean on, like, an actual wrestler? Like, yeah, be I mean, the stardom champion, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she like, she like marries. She's should like, I, gonna, should, I go, she's, should I go get drinks yeah, for everyone? Yeah, yeah. You, you're good, man. Just you know, do your thing. Do your thing. Okay. Um, just keep, I mean, just keep this feel. going for like two minutes because I'm actually gonna go and get drinks. Um. So, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm confused. I'm, I'm so confused. Um, why? What, I mean, can you make heads or tails of it? No, I mean, like, his car in general is really weird. Like, he almost copied a lot of my spots, and now he's pulling out Lacey Evans, B.E.B. Priestley, and basically a squash. I mean, what the hell is this guy doing? He kills B. Priestley, like, in, in, in a squash match with a fucking right hand? Like, I mean... I, 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 I don't even know what... To, I mean, first he opens his show with fucking Justin Bieber. I mean, he's at two strikes. Yeah, I mean, he's on very thin. I mean, we're, we're very late into the recording to really do anything now, but we need to keep a really close eye on him. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we really got to start reining in that leash a little bit. Start like yanking back just a little bit. I mean, because it's getting it's getting crazy in here, man. Yeah, I mean, like I'm worried. Like, do we need an intervention for him or something like this? Because I'm getting very worried. We may need we may need to set something up. Yeah, we may need to get a group of us together and just sort of try and try and talk some sense into him a little bit. So Lacey Evans beat Bree Priestley uh, convincingly. And then after that, what happens is we go backstage and we see Kane. And Kane is obviously at the moment, uh, he's one of the, I think he's a 24-7 champion. I probably lost track of that at some point. But uh, he gets hit in the back with a bat, like a baseball bat, but it's unfazed him because he's the mayor of Knox County. And he turns around. And who who else could it be but Rene, Drake Maverick's wife? It might be Rene Dupree. And um, uh, he's unfazed by this. He looks at her. He looks really scared. Not He doesn't look scared, so she looks really scared. When he's low-blowed by behind and a load of stuff is tipped over him, load of kind of backstage recording stuff, like recording chess, everything like that, scaffolding, whatever else would be backstage at a wrestling show. And Drake Maverick jumps on top and one, two, three. Drake Maverick is now 24-7 champion. Which leads us into match six, which if you guys were upset last time, prepare to be super fucking upset because we are into dream match territory. It is finally happening. It is Brock Lesnar versus the modern day Maharaja Jinder Mahal. With special guest referee Kenneth Shamrock, uh, and you know what, Jinder Mahal wins, and he he wins via distraction because the only thing that Brock Lesnar hates more than working, turning up, or anything like that, as I discovered through research, and if you research this, what I'm about to say is not liable. He hates the gays. So <laughs> he said those words on camera in a recording studio. So through distraction, the Singh brothers are actually going to strip off and start making out. And that distracts Brock Lesnar enough to get hit with the, the collapse. And Jinder Mahal is now the universal champion. It is not liable because he said it on recording. I cannot stress this enough. Uh, after that match, we go backstage where we see Drake Maverick and his wife jump into a limo as they ask the driver to go. What's going to happen, guys? The window connected from the driver's section to the passenger section is going to come down. And it's Carmella. Carmella is in the driver's seat, guys. And she says out loud in a big Carmella voice, where to, Drakey? And our truth is going to drag Drake Maverick out of the limo, hit a DDT, get the pin. Our uh, truth, sorry, is now the 24 7 champion. And that is my next two matches and events. I cannot stress this enough. Brock Lesnar said that on recording. You can YouTube it. This is not liable. <laughs> he, he did say that. I, I am aware that he, he did say that. I did my research. He said word for word, I hate the gays. <laughs> one one question, one question, Nathan. What is what what where do you get the drugs that you go on to write your cards? Because I would really 
really appreciate the hookup on that one. Because this uh, ma- this re- show, this show is taken. We're being recorded right now, Jimmy. But you know, I can I can put you in contact with a guy. I don't know if he ships abroad. Oh uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll we'll talk off camera. Yeah, it's like somebody saying. Hang on, was I? A lot of that was I talking out loud because a lot of that was meant to be in my head. Yes, very loudly. Oh, I really need to get rid of this microphone. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, Can someone do me a favor? Somebody send Nathan's car to Jim Cornette because I think this may be the the very thing that really finishes Jim Cornette off. He's going to read get halfway through that. He's going to have an aneurysm. He's going to just keel over. Honestly. Scott, I have five more matches. <laughs> he has a whole nother show ready. Still. Yeah, I'm show ready. Jimmy, save us, please. Hopefully, tell me your next two matches. Uh, my next two matches are, of course, the next match is the other Elimination Chamber match to determine the third and final participant in the Triple Threat Ladder match for the vacant World Heavyweight Championship. And the six participants are as follows. Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, John Moxley, and Kevin Owens. Um, the match continues. Match goes on and on and on and on and on until uh, the th- last three men before the final chamber opens that is holding Kevin Owens. The final two men in the ring are Styles and Omega, who knock each other out cold. And Kevin Owens wins by default in 20 minutes without having to throw a single punch, and he is now in the Triple Threat ladder match. So your Triple Threat main event is now Velveteen Dream, Pete Dunne, and Kevin Owens for the world title. Hang on, what? How, did you say he, w- he wins by DQ? No, default. Oh. How? Because uh, there's, three, there's three people left. Two yeah. of them are in the ring. One of them is in a pod. And as the the numbers are counting down for his pod to open, AJ and Kenny do simultaneous kicks on one another, knocking each other out cold. The referees declare them unable to continue. Kevin uh, Owens' pod opens. He is declared the winner by being the only person left standing in the elimination chamber. Uh... Following that match is a 51-50 street fight, last team standing for the tag team titles. These four teams have been costing each other the tag titles for weeks on television. They are, I mean, it is a blood feud to end all blood feuds. It is the Usos versus the Lucha Brothers versus DIY versus LAX. And this match goes 35 minutes, and the Lucha Brothers win by... Package pile driving Jimmy Uso through a uh, table covered in broken beer bottles. And the Lucha Brothers are your new tag team champions after 20, uh, I'm sorry, 35 minutes. Uh, Back and forth they go. LAX is the first team eliminated. DIY. And then we are left with the Usos versus the Lucha Brothers, brothers versus brothers. And that's all they wrote. Lucha Brothers win. Nice. You guys remember um, um I remember, remember. You guys remember when AOP was a thing? No. Vaguely. They were like um they were like APA but better. You watch your mouth. I won't. I stand by what I just said. 
So, if we move on, <clears throat> my next match is... Can I say, of... if anyone in the audience agrees with what Jimmy just said, which is APA is better than Authors of Pain, can you just stop listening? I am I am not going to get involved in this argument he either is... way. Nathan is combative this evening. Mm-hmm. Authors of Pain are better than the APA ever were. Well, APA are more charismatic than the AOP. I love JBL. Not the man... Well, I kind of the, the man builds schools now, but not the man that he was. But authors of pain are easily better. Okay, so why does that feel controversial? <laughs> They've had I'm, incredible I'm, matches on tape. Nathan, Nathan, it's after one in the morning. I'm trying to get through my bastard and guard here. Okay, go on. I'm now. sorry if I sound harsh, but we've got a lot to get through. Sorry, I don't have time to debate. The ins and outs of JBL as a person and as a character. No. So, my next match is a very important match because we have Kenny Omega taking on Buddy Murphy. The stipulation that the winner will earn the rights to use the move, the V trigger. <laughs> Excellent. Because uh, it, it seems to be that in wrestling, according to fans, no, only one wrestler. No more than one wrestler can use the same type of move. So, this is, this is going to say neither man can throw any sort of knee in any match going forward if they lose. And this this started, as all feud start nowadays through Twitter with the Buddy Murphy tweeting a gif of him using a V trigger in a match. You know, he used to have those before he got drafted to SmackDown. He went from being the most featured wrestler on the show no one watched to being not being invisible up until this week on a show that everyone does watch. So he sends he sends a gif out of him doing the the knee and just basically tweets Kenny who question mark and then uh, Omega sends a gif of him doing the V trigger and says this is not a secret. Let's have a knock at. Buddy Murphy's nicknamed the best kept secret and eventually after going back and forth on Twitter for weeks the matches eventually made and of course a lot of the matches both been trying to use the V-trigger and at every possible moment the other guy will move out of the way uh, but as much as I like him eventually as much as I like Buddy Murphy Kenny Omega does pick up the win and uh, earns the right to keep using the V-trigger and he, he makes he uh, teases that potentially his next target is Seth Rollins. And, like, because I, I like Buddy Murphy, and I don't see why it's a problem that he throws a lot of knees as well. No, I don't think why it's a problem. Like, people have been throwing knees for years, like Triple H at the high knee. William Regal used mm-hmm. a running knee as a finisher years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, he would hit the running knee. Yeah. I don't uh, know why people have a problem with it. But uh, I just like the idea of having this stipulation for a match, so I threw it in there. Uh, we cut backstage, and uh, our Truth and Carmilla are hunting through like they're trying. You can't you can't keep track of who's got the belt, who they have to go after. So they're looking for Kane, and uh, like I want my twenty eight seven European title and my DDP Superman heavyweight championship. <laughs> <laughs> so they find Kane, but they don't find. Demon wearing, demon mask wearing cane. They find Mayor of Knox County a corporate suit wearing cane. And they're like, 
they're just interrogating him, like, where are my titles? Where are my belts? And like, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just taking my a day off in my mayoral duties to come and watch a great wrestling show. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've not got your belts. And then who should come in to help with this investigation? But the hurricane, using his <laughs> superpowers of deduction, he's going to determine that Kane does have the titles. Yes, to search Kane's bag. And Kane refuses to let him search his bag until they pull out they search his bag and they pull out both belts and Kane has no idea how they got in there. And then they reach into the bag again, they pull out Kane's mask, to which point Kane snaps, grabs the mask, puts it on, destroys the hurricane, just pushes a Arthur Carmel out of his way, turns a corner, gets super kicked and pinned for both belts by Dolph Ziggler. And literally I've made note of every title change. For this one, I just put Ziggler ruins everything. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, Ziggler's got both belts. He's, he's talking a lot of shit as he usually does. He turns a corner. There's a lot of corners in this building. I just noticed. <laughs> <laughs> he turns. He turns another corner, and he gets speared by Goldberg. Goldberg pins him. Goldberg is now got both belts, and to celebrate, Goldberg headbutts the door and knocks himself out. <laughs> Sounds like Goldberg. To which point Joey Ryan runs over the referee. Joey Ryan pins Goldberg and takes both belts. That's fantastic. That's my favorite thing so far. Yeah. You know what's really, you know what's really telling is that literally Scott is telling a fictional story, and when he said super kick and Dolph Ziggler was the champions, I literally felt myself sank and go, "Fuck, he's just ruined this." <laughs> and none of what he's saying is real but I literally felt it in my soul <laughs> like I was like oh Scott why have you done this <laughs> I had a similar feeling when you told me Lacey Evans and General Hall both won their matches but we'll move on from that I don't know what you just said I'm not following <laughs> next up we have Mike Quackenbush uh, who has announced his, to celebrate his 25th year in pro wrestling, he's going to be taking on 25 different opponents from around the world, and he is going to be be quite particular in choosing his opponents. And I've become a big are you about to name 25 people? No. Oh, I've become a big fan of Mike Quackenbush recently through many watching many interviews. I knew who he was originally. He's the founder of Chikara and everything, and like I've become a big fan of you more so recently. And he's taking on one of these one of those twenty five opponents. Just one, not twenty five, just one opponent. And it's somebody who was already a full time wrestler, but they passed through his Wrestle Factory training school just to help them get to a new level and like help develop their training a bit further. He is taking on Alistair Black. Ooh. Yeah. So basically Mike Wagbush says like if there's anybody out there who'd like to wrestle me, like let me know if it, how this would be special to you. Cause like he's not wanting to waste time in the random opponents and random promotions for this twenty these twenty five matches. They have to be personal. And Alistair Black sends a message to him, like, I'm tired of sitting in a room waiting for an opponent. You played an important part in my career, and I would love to wrestle you. And Mike Quackenbush accepts the challenge. And so, obviously, Alistair Black learned a lot from Mike Quackenbush, but he didn't learn everything, so there's a few things that Mike Quackenbush is not expecting from Alistair Black. Why are you laughing? Sorry? 
I thought you were laughing, sorry. <laughs> well, me, I didn't say make a sound. I heard something, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Also, we met a Quacking Bush is constantly trying to pull out new submission holds on the leg, being the master of a thousand holds to try and uh, make sure Black can hit the Black Mass. But eventually, uh, Black counters the Quacking Driver and out of nowhere hits the Black Mass, crawls into the cover. Alistair Black wins. Nice. And I believe it's back to Nathan. Wow. Up next on my show, after uh, Drake Maverick has lost his title to R-Truth, it's obviously Will Ospreay, the aerial assassin, against The Miz. So we have WWE epitomised versus the Indies or the Japanese-style epitomised. The Miz is going to come out. Super Heel Miz, that's what I want. I want Heel Miz Prime. So what are we talking, probably 2017? Heel Miz? Was that yeah. when he was Super Heel? Oh, so for sure, got, yeah. Oh, we got Super Heel Miz. He's to, he comes out, he does his entrance. He's, he's got Maurice, obviously. We're going to pretend that Maurice is pregnant at the moment. She's Super Maurice. And uh, he's talking about how he's just... WWE style is super great and everything like that. And then Will Ospreay is going to do Super Will Ospreay uh, face up, but The Miz is going to win because I prefer The Miz. And he's just going to hit skull crushing finale. He's going to hit. He's, he's going to need to hit four of them, but it's going to get done. Uh, Osprey's going to hit the Oz driver or whatever it's called uh, several times. It's going to be super flippy, but Miz is going to win. Dave Meltzer is going to describe it as the Miz really showed about how he's the pinnacle of pro wrestling outside of Lacey Evans, and he's going to give it nine and a half stars, and that's great. We go backstage after that, and Jack Black is serenading his DDT Ironman Heavy Metal Weight Championship at this point. He's singing Wonder Boy to it, the best Tenacious D song. I don't care what anyone else says. And uh, he's going to be serenading the title. But as we know with Jack Black, he's super animated when he sings. He's super arms and everything like that. So he reaches out at one point, And what does he accidentally grab onto? Joey Ryan's dick. (laughs) (laughs) And he's trapped. He was arm singing. He was talking while he was arm animated whilst he was singing. He's trapped. And Joey Ryan does a big old dick flip or whatever it's called. Dick plex. I don't know what it's called. And uh, then he, uh, yeah, and he then pins him. And Joey Ryan is champion. He's a DDT Ironman heavy metalweight champion at this point, which leads us into our next match. Obviously, at this point, it is Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler in a fatal four-way but two of them are friends, and two of the other ones are friends. Obviously, Charlotte and Becky are super besties, and Ronda and Shayna are super horse girls. And they're going to be all horse girls up on Becky and Charlotte. They're going to have a nice back and forth match. And eventually, what's going to happen is Ronda's going to look like she wins, but Shayna Baszler does some Shayna Baszler shit and chokes out Ronda Rousey to win. One of the titles, I can't keep track at this point. She wins a women's title, but she chokes it out. And she chokes out Ronda and wins. 
And those are my next two matches and my two next 24-7 title opportunities. No Lacey Evans, slightly disappointed, but the show is flowing nicely, I think. I, if you can't... If you, can you, are, keep a- you are right. If your 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 show is, it definitely has a certain flow to it for sure. Oh, it's peaking. There's more shit to come, guys. <laughs> like all of you said, like you can't keep up with the thing, the amount of time changes. If you can't, how are we supposed to? Because I'm losing track at this point. Well, I wrote it down nicely, but it's really the DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight Championship and the 24/7 title that's keeping me preoccupied. To be honest. I didn't include a lot of the titles in my descriptions. I just presume these matches were happening and it was just kind of smarky mark shit. Yeah. But uh, if you're done with that section, we'll move on. Uh, Jamie, if you're ready uh, to talk about your next couple of matches. Uh, yeah, next up on my show um, is probably the, the most story-driven um, match on my yeah. show where we have the Intercontinental title, two out of three falls match, the champion Marty Skrull taking on Sami Zayn. Uh, this has been building over the last few weeks where uh, after Pete Dunne uh, exchanged his Intercontinental title for the world title shot through the Elimination Chamber and ladder match that's taking place here tonight. Uh, Sammy uh, was up for the IC title but was screwed out of it by Marty. Uh, Marty then wins the title on TV after it's been made vacant. Sammy comes out and starts ripping into Marty, saying that he's exactly what's wrong with fans today and uh, that Marty bought into his own bullshit with his friends instead of focus on being amazing wrestlers. Um, they, they've been fighting tooth and nail with one another for weeks on end, and this is where this is all going to come to a head. Sami Zayn eventually wins in 22 minutes with the, a series of Huluva kicks and referee stoppage. Two to one, Sami Zayn is the new Intercontinental Champion. He just keeps haluva kicking and haluva kicking and haluva kicking and haluva kicking until the referee stands in his way, nearly gets haluva kicked for his efforts uh, and stops the match. And Sami Zayn is the new IC Champion. And my heart is just happy at just those words being said. Uh, the following match after that is Valter versus Luchasaurus. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Both of these guys. I mean, you don't really need much of an explanation. These two big bastards are just going to go in. Sometimes you just need two guys, two gigantic mountains of humanity to go out there and just beat the shit out of one another. And that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to beat the shit of each other for 15 minutes. But at the end of the day, nothing can stop Walter. He gets the win by pinfall in 15 minutes. Walter just increases his stock in this fictional company that I've created. I really, I really enjoyed the fact that you said Sami Zayn about winning a championship because, like, it's about time he actually won something. WWE, like, he had the NXT title run, but what is he? He's not held a championship since. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, he had the NXT title, but he was injured half the time, and then he, like, immediately lost it to Kevin Owens, and he had that one match with Shinsuke uh, at the TakeOver. But he really hasn't done much of anything in the meantime. But he's had these great matches with Cena and Owens and all these other people. And I'm a huge Sami Zayn fan. I'm a Sami Zayn guy, first and foremost. And uh, I just want him to win something. I think him in a program at Marty Skrull, I think that match could just be dynamite. And 
that's the match for that, yeah. You know what's weird to throw my to throw my hat in the ring. Do you know what? There's always those wrestlers, and I think everyone has them who they just don't get. Like, and it might it's not a case of like kind of disrespecting them and saying, Oh, I, I think they're crap. They're obviously not crap. But I don't get them and I cannot get on board of them. And Marty Skull is that wrestler for me. I do not understand why people think he deserves the world. I don't get it. And it's always going to happen because the same in any medium. There's always that song or that film that everyone loves that you don't get. I don't understand Marty's girl. Like, I don't get why people think he should be so great. Um, I, I can see that for sure. I mean, um, it's, you know, different strokes to move the earth. You oh, know, 100%. I'm not saying Marty's girl isn't good. He's obviously good. But character-wise, or like what he does, what I I can't get on board with him for some reason. Yeah, if it doesn't click for you, it doesn't click for you. Yeah, we all, we all have like everybody's different. They always have that thing like people have different tastes. Yeah. I was trying to like give an example of what you said, but not again. Some there was a film that came out a few years ago that everybody seemed to love. I seem to be the only person that didn't like it. it the people I talked to, but the name of the film is already it's just escaped my mind. So, well, okay. I'm just I'll just move on to uh, my card. My next match is the woman formerly known as Emma Tenille Dashwood taking on Gail Kim. Uh, Ooh, nice. Uh, obviously, not to be a woman you would expect. I think Gail Kim uh, is retired now. Yeah, she uh, she had a match against Tessa Blanchard, Tessa, sorry, Blanchard mm-hmm. uh, an impact pay-per-view. She's apparently retired. Yeah. But obviously, this is before we had Tessa come out earlier on to destroy Paul Robinson in a death match. We didn't know if she was going to come out, but a few weeks before this show, uh, there was no women's match announced, and Tino got on social media and started riling up, like getting on the promoters and the bookers behind us, like, why is there no women's match on this card? And she starts doing a lot of what she was doing before, so do like claiming that it was her that started the women's revolution, and like criticizing women of honor for not giving her more opportunities and like basically got saying she saw the one direction and then Gil Kim pipes up basically saying like how basically her stuff with the knockouts and Austin Kong was starting a women's revolution long before Emma was even a part of WWE and then Daniel says basically if you're so good why, why are you retired why don't you step back in the ring and face me and Gil Kim says no and basically Daniel just spends weeks poking at her and poking at her to try and uh, rile up enough to she'll point she'll eventually get back in the ring and uh, eventually succeeds and Gail decides like fine I'll have one more match just to shut you up and they have their match and Gail Kim does succeed in shutting Emma up because uh, Gail Kim does win and I remember when Emma was in NXT when she was a face and she was doing that weird dance I hated her she was one of my least favourite people in WWE yeah. I always preferred her when she was a heel that like, was horrible. Like uh, me and Rahul, who you can hear on Rogue Opinions, but we were on a different uh, network at that point doing an NXT series, and we'd do we'd default, do we were doing all the takeovers, and when Emma was doing that fucking dance, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was so nauseating, like looking at it, and obviously you can't go. We can go too hard on it for various reasons. Like we can go too hard on the women's wrestling uh, for 
let's say various reasons but it was fucking disgusting <laughs> like, just watching her do that stupid fucking dance oh it was horrendous like, and everybody made up was like oh it's so great look at everybody else in the crowd doing the contours are building it like oh, why are no. you encouraging this it's horrible it's so it was so bad and um we won't i won't name the place we were at but like we did a take of a podcast where emma was on it doing that dance where we proper laid into it and we had to edit and we sent it and we then we had to edit it out you guys will understand this but we're recording at the moment we had to edit out the part where we were really horrible at emma's dance we -hmm. were told to for and um it was it was oh it was like a drunk granddad like just kind of just shrugging their shoulders and twisting their arms how why she got stuck with that i'll never know yeah like, dear god i think she's kind of underrated as a wrestler like that can make a side and so when i was coming up with my women's match i thought i'll put her and i was like having her play the heel and eventually you'll come while she's a veteran and he's probably the veterans putting over the younger talent I think Gail can come back to shut up this like arrogant heel who thinks like all this, who thinks she started the women's revolution is a, a really good story. Uh, so we move back to Joey Ryan's again twenty hold on to both his belts. Uh, he's avoiding everybody and then he runs into Carmella who super kicks him right in the dick. <laughs> and Carmella pins him and takes both titles and decides She's trying to rush into find Truth. She's going to give Truth back the 24 stem belt. She's going to keep the DET belt. They're both going to be friends and they're both going to be champions. It's going to be great. And then she gets smashed in the face with a chair by Renee Michelle, Great <laughs> Mavic's wife. She pins her and takes both belts and rushes off to find her husband. And then we're back to the ring for a dream tag team. As you think the last tag of the match was great. Wait till you hear this. We have the team of Cody. And Stephen Amell taking on Zack Ryder <laughs> and Hugh Jackman. Love Good it. God. Love Good it. God. So, Zack Ryder and Cody, they're friends uh, in real life. Uh, but we've, I've heard an interview where he basically buries Zack for his whole toy collecting thing. Well, uh, so, we have his acting exception to Cody kind of mocking him, calling him a nerd behind his back. And like he confronts him like, Hey man, I thought we were friends and all that and then Cody like, Yeah, I've kinda got like some newer cooler friends, like, look, I'm hanging out with Stephen Amell and all that. Uh he's you not know, he plays he's on that D C T V show and then Zach tries to one up him by saying, Yeah, but my friend's Hugh Jackman. He's in the X Men, you know, a bit well, a really successful movie franchise, kind of. And uh basically it's basically a turn of a one upsmanship. To eventually, it gets like where it becomes Cody and Stephen V. Zach and Hugh Jackman. He just comes out in the yellow and blue. He's used yellow and blue, kind of like the old school Wolverine costume. Doesn't doesn't wear the claws though. Zach tries again to wear claws, and Hugh draws the line at that. <laughs> and I was really, really going back and forth with this. I had a spot where. Stephen does a version of Zach's broski boot in the corner, but before that, he makes an hour motion and tells that you have failed this business. Nice. Arrow used to be one of my favourite shows for like the first three seasons, and then 
Uh, do you actually watch it, Scott? Um, a, a season or so behind, but I, I really enjoy it. I know, like, I have so much stuff that I watch, but I think actually Legends is now my favourite of the DC TV shows now. Cause uh, it's like, I, stopped, I stopped watching Arrow after season three because it just got like, it was always super campy, which I really enjoyed. But then like, after season three, I just like, I lost so much interest in it. Season what? four, season four is objectively bad. Uh, oh, it's, it's just really bad. Terrible. Season yeah, five, start, season five watching, is the best season. I started watching season four, and that must have been when I... I think season, season three, the one where the ends with locking... Is it Deathstroke or Deadshot? Sorry, Deadshot. No, Deathstroke. You were right the first time. Oh, sorry. In the bunker. That's no, season, season two. two. Oh, fuck. Well, season three was Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. He, he kills yeah, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, and he, got, he gets chucked off the cliff. That's like in the middle of season three when Arrow get out. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I watched season three where he gets chucked off the cliff. Then he comes back and um, Diggly or whatever his name is. Diggly. Diggly. Well, it's just the black guy. Diggle. Diggle doesn't believe that he's back or something. Oh, God, we're going back like six years. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? It's on, yeah. it's, on Net- it's on Netflix. I actually just got done rewatching the first, like, three seasons it's actually. not on netflix in the uk but google that's it bullshit <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not on netflix in the uk my, no, biggest, biggest, sucks. my biggest great with all the differences in uk VPN. and my, my difference my biggest great between the whole uk and us netflix is the us netflix has like every season of frazier and the uk one doesn't oh. mate just watch channel four like at 9 a.m that's fine i've got the box set now but i'd rather not have to spend I might yeah. buy the box. Weird, weird long enough where um, we've got friends now, but there was about two years where you guys, Jimmy, had friends on Netflix and we didn't. And that was like the big, it was just the biggest ordeal of the whole of UK Twitter was finding out how to get into US Netflix through VPN. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was I'd like, imagine. you guys have friends. <laughs> and then we finally got it. And now we don't have Frasier or Arrow. <laughs> like, that's that's so annoying because Arrow, like Arrow, Flash, Legends, and parts of Supergirl are, are like the reason I've been using Netflix lately. Well, that's the thing is that Scott can rel- The whole reason, Scott, we don't have Frasier is because Channel 4 has the Frasier contract. Because if you turn on Channel 4 from 8 a.m. onwards any weekday, it's just Frasier episodes one after each other. And then it goes into Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And that's why we don't have it on Netflix. Yeah, like, I, I don't even want to carry on with my show. Like I'm eight so or angry. nine in the morning, usually a few episodes of Everybody Loves Women, and then randomly Frasier episodes. Like... Yeah, and then Frasier episodes. Which everyone knows the best Frasier episodes, the one where Roz announces she's pregnant at that party. You know, I'm not even going to get into this. Like, I talk about Frasier forever. I basically, we basically almost do on my other podcasts. So, I'm just going to say, Cody and Stephen Wynn. Hey, hey Scott. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll okay. get Frasier one day. Is it, my, is it, is it back to me? Uh, no, I had, a, I had one more thing I wanted to say. So, so Cody and Stephen win, not that anybody asked, but we cut backstage, uh, Renee and Drake are trying to get a car, yeah. belts. they're confronted by Drake, by uh, Joey Ryan, 
Rene agrees to give uh, Joey back the DT belt or they can escape with the 24-7 title and off they go to consummate their marriage. Uh, Joey Ryan's celebrating, he's finally got the DT belt back and he's rolled up by Maven who <laughs> runs away into, into a waiting cab that is, Jesus and drives away. And then Arthur and Carmella are going up like, what happened? He tells them what happened and then they just run off to try and find Maven. And that is the last of my DDT Iron Man and 24-7 shenanigans and the only match I have left is my main event. So I guess if you guys want to do it up until your main events and then we'll talk about each of our main events. How niche 2000 have you just gone? <laughs> we've, gone from, we've gone from Frasier to Maven. <laughs> and that's only right here. Ladies and gentlemen, that you can only get that quality content on Rogue Opinions Absolutely. for free. At, that's at Rogue underscore Opinion. <laughs> I'll be honest, guys. We're talking about, we're talking about all these title changes reminding me of Mania 18. So, by the way, that that Maven title change wasn't even in my notes until before we started recording. <laughs> I don't even remember Maven being at that show. <laughs> in fact, I don't even remember Maven, apart from that brief stint he had with Triple and apart from the Rumble 20, 2002, sorry. He had a really good theme song, by the way. That, his theme song. Oh, yeah. His theme song is a banger. Yeah. And he hates it. Apparently, he hates it. Is it my guy? If you want to go your last couple matches right up until the main event, and then we'll go up until uh, Jimmy's main event, and then we'll all talk about our main events. Hey, Scott. If less is more. Think about how much more and more will be. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on to, we're on to the, the big match. The biggest match of the night, because it's about who's the best of the best people, and they're both super great, and they're definitely... 100%, no matter what anyone says, if you're at an AEW show, they aren't stealing the gimmick. It's Triple H and Steph v. Cody and Brandy. Cody and Brandy, 100%, they're doing their own gimmick. 100%. And, uh, no, it's not the same thing. Shut up. And uh, it's obviously because, obviously, we all remember Triple H matches and we all know how long Cody matches are, but it's not the same gimmick. You're wrong. It goes 45 minutes, this uh, mixed tag match, but it's not the same gimmick. And uh, it's uh, neither person wins because they're both so great and their matches are both so long. So out of nowhere becomes comes commissioner of this show, which is, have I said how they don't both do the same gimmick? Yeah, and one of, the, one of them isn't a copy of the other. Like, shut up. And uh, out comes the commissioner for the night. Oh, guys, it's Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yes. Yes. Ryan Reynolds comes out as dressed as Deadpool because you have to please the fans. And um, he actually declares that it turns out both couples are so great. They're both so good. And uh, one of them isn't a younger copy of the other. And, like, guys, it's not. They're both just super good. That's why both their matches are so long. Like, so long. Um, the, uh, it's actually a no contest because they're both so great. 
he gets five stars in the Observer, and Dave Meltzer just writes so great, and it's not a copy. It's not, guys. Triple H and Steph and Cody are brandy and not copies of each other. Don't believe what the rumors say. It's so great. And that's what Ryan Reynolds declares. So great. And that uh, actually leads us backstage after. Did I say how great that match was? So really the winners of that match were the fans because of how great they all were. Yeah, are. because it was 45 minutes and Cody and, Tri- Cody and uh, Brandy and Triple H and Steph aren't a copy of each other and one isn't stealing the gimmick of the other and that two the older couple's gimmick wasn't around before the younger person's gimmick and being 45 minutes long the match was perfect we need matches to be that long if you're going to be methodical and super great um that it's just great and they're both perfect 45 minutes that match was super great no one got bored jimmy during the explanation of this match, which has been super great, and during the match itself, which was really great, and it was five stars. There were 12 rest holds. Wow. I mean, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat as we speak. I just wish I could have seen this epic confrontation. Yeah, no one won because they're both couples are so great, and one isn't a copy of the other. No, absolutely. I mean, no. In no way are they totally Super carbon great. copies. Super great. So everyone um, kind of took a uh, had a Lucasade and moved on. As we went backstage, and it's Joey Ryan and our truth, and uh, they're obviously the champions, the DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight Champion at the moment, and our truth, the twenty four seven champion. They both have their titles, and they're kind of walking backwards because they're worried about being snuck up on and they bump into each other they both make a deal to work together to keep their titles when out of nowhere candice laray rolls up our truth to win the 24 7 championship uh, candice laray obviously famously worked with jerry ryan on the indies as part of a tag team whose name i didn't write down or remember scott world's, can you help me out world's cutest tag team yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, world's cutest tag team. They're so cute, guys. Remember how cute they are. And uh, Candice, Le- uh, sorry, Carmella then rolls up Joey Ryan whilst they're celebrating how cute they are to win the DDT Ironman Heavyweight Championship. And they now have the titles, the women. You guys remember women when it wasn't <laughs> 2 a.m. and we are podcasting about wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever touched a woman? <laughs> And they high-five and walk away, and that's the end of that segment. Because we're going to it now, guys. We're getting to the serious shit. Forget what I said about women. We don't touch women. We're wrestling fans. It's a cage match, and it's fucking Jay White against The Fiend. You guys thought I forgot about this till I remembered after I wrote the entire show, and I had to go back to that thing I said earlier. But it's I'll be honest, the Fiend. I about it. Yeah, I'll be honest, I did when I first wrote this. <laughs> Jay White, the Switchblade versus The Fiend is brutal. It's nasty. It would have gone really long, but there was that really great match last time that went 45 minutes between the two great couples that definitely aren't a copy of each other. No, they're not stealing their gimmick. And um, it's brutal. There's blood. It's back and forth. I don't know how there's blood because one of them wears a really big mask. But, I don't know, Kane won the WWF title that time in the first blood match and he only wore a Brody suit. So, fuck it. 
and the fiend wins. Uh, he hits the sister Abigail in a mandible claw. Fiend wins. Cage match. Super good. Am I doing up to my main event? Yeah, because you don't do your main event yet. Oh, fuck. Put your feet up. <laughs> so, Carmella and Candice Array after that really brutal cage fight, after that really great match between those two couples that aren't the same gimmick. And uh, they're celebrating backstage where they bump into everyone's favourite Australians that aren't the Australians from earlier. And that's literally what I wrote. Uh, it's the Iconics, and they're chilling backstage. Uh, Carmella and Candice LeRae have the titles. I'm sorry, wait. Back and forth, obviously. I'm sorry, one second. Do, who, who, who did they run into? The I Iconics. Oh, are you talking about the Iconics? No, there's two eyes. Fine, the Econics. What, what, whatever. I Iconics. Gotcha. I'm gonna start again. So the Fiend uh, and Jay White have a cage match. <laughs> no, Carmella and Candice Array, obviously, one of them's a 24-7 tag team. I've not tagged in. Fuck. One of them's a 24-7 champion, one of them's a DTI man, heavy metalweight champion. Uh, when I read this paragraph, I'll work out which one is which. And they bump into the I Iconics. Uh, they have a cool back and forth. For it, obviously, it breaks out into a brawl. Carmella and Billy Kay, though, they slip into a wall, knocking each other out. They're brawling, they knock into a wall, and as they're f- and sorry. Now, as they're falling, Carmella hits a table, which knocks an unopened bottle of champagne onto her and lands on her chest. Obviously, Billy Kay is knocked out as well. The referee counts the one, two, three. Candice LeRae escapes from Billy Kay and runs down a corridor. And Billy and Peyton then helps Billy Kay's up, Billy Kay up. But the referee explains what has happened. And the unopened bottle of champagne is now the DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight Champion. They obviously pick up the champagne and the belt and just walk off together. So that's nice. Uh, that leads us into the next match, which is obviously, after all that, what do you want next but some fucking good wrestling? Because it's Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on The New Day. It's Ooh. Half an hour match. So many video game references, guys. There's some Tekken. There's some Street Fighter. There's some Zelda. There's some Batman. There's some Metroid. There's some... Fucking so much Mario. Fucking uh, video games, man. Just so many video games. Nintendo all over the place. After about half an hour, Kenny and the Bucks get to win with the Meltzer driver. Meltzer would say, super cool. Nathan forgot to do this bit whilst he was doing the other matches. Uh, five stars. Real, real good. Uh, backstage we go. Candice LeRae gets tr- is trying to escape. She's trying to get to the car park where she's tripped up, falls on her face, knocked out because she's on concrete because she's in a car park, foot on chest, one, two, three. Orange Cassidy is 24-7 champion. And that's the end of that drama. So we end the night with a bottle of champagne as the DDT Ironman heavy metalweight champion and Orange Cassidy as the 24-7 champion. There is only my main event left. Wow. Do you guys remember what I just said? Yes. 
Yes. Very little. I, very good, because I don't. Were we recording? Yes. Good, because I don't remember what I just. The only thing, the only thing I'm a little upset about is that uh, it doesn't end with the Iconics downing the bottle and it being like a, a knockout. Jimmy, and the Iconics both become. Jimmy, don't. There's more to come. Oh, you said that was the end of that drama. I thought that was it. No, I said only my main event was left. Got, oh, okay. So do okay. It. Scott, can we, Scott, just quickly before we end this podcast, please have a word. Okay, make it quick. Jimmy, have some energy tablets. Scott, you just ruined my main event. Really? Oh. Yes. Like, well, I'm not going to tell you how because I still have to say it out loud, but like, he's just kind of called out what part of my main event segment might be. And I don't really know. No, he did. You thought you were moving on. He didn't know. Yeah, he was he was being a dick. I know it. I've met him. Just settle down. Let's just go back and we'll. we'll You sure? You sure? All right. Okay, let's just go back. Hi, Jimmy. We're back. Oh, hey, guys. Missed you. Hey, man. So if you want to go through up up until your main event, uh, what is left of your card? Well, ladies and gentlemen, my pre-main event is the most must-see WWE TV show in history. It is Miz TV. Miz comes out all by himself with with a bag in his hand, a title bag in his hand, and he comes out and he talks about how Miz and Maurice, they've trailblazed a, a whole new like set for all wwe performers in history they have now taken over not only the wwe but the airwaves and have become television champions and he opens up the bag and he takes out the Miz tv television championship saying that he is the biggest and best in entertainment and as he's going on and on and on Maxwell Jacob Friedman comes out and says that he is better than Miz has ever been and he's younger than Miz is and he's got his whole career ahead of him and Miz is just clinging to the stuff that brought him to the dance years and years ago and they th- th- this this segment breaks down fast these guys are just beating the holy hell out of each other and that's when I'm back he's back ladies and gentlemen Eric Bischoff comes out and makes the title match for the Miz TV Television Championship, Maxwell Jacob Friedman versus The Miz. This match goes eight minutes, and Miz retains his title on a roll-up in eight minutes. Miz is still the television champion. Cool. And wow. only your, your main event next? or Yeah, that's that. all that's left is the triple threat ladder match. So, we got all three of us have got our main events. Who wants the... Talk about their main event first. I mean, I have the best main event. So. So, what are you saying? You might go first or you might go last? I'll go first. Okay. We're into our main event segment. And obviously, I needed to get two athletes on. I have to preface this two athletes on the same level. So, when you think about great sporting athletes, you might think about Rafael Nadal versus Roger Federer. Uh, you might, I don't know, I can't think of any other sports right now. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. Uh, you might think about Tom Brady and Brett Favre. Two real premier athletes. So I've got Kazuchika Okada 
obviously, against, you know who I'm about to say, the best in the world, Shane McMahon. Of course you do. And obviously this is going to be it. We all remember him looking smug coming out of his limo earlier. It's going to be a street fight. Um, this match goes for actually 67 minutes. For fuck's sake. It's declared a draw after quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. Neither man can continue because they're so on the same level. Uh, Dave Meltzer would write, I'm giving this 12 and three quarter stars. After this match, I can no longer continue to do the Wrestling Observer newsletter and I'm declaring my retirement. Wrestling will never be the same again after this and I will never experience this high at this level. Thank you for supporting the Observer for so long and I thank you for your support, but I I will never experience something like this again. Again, thank you, Uh, Big Dave. That's what he wrote after this match and that's it i can't describe it better it's a draw and it's brilliant that is yeah they actually didn't put it on the network to save sanity like i don't know if you guys have ever seen clockwork orange Mm. no i know of it jimmy have you seen clockwork orange yes yes of course should we have a word about because scott's never seen it i feel like we get each other's point at this point we know we know what we mean just raw insanity insane yeah but it was really good and the first time you watch it you actually can't watch it again because your eyes can't take it is basically the point i'm getting at but we're talking about athletes so in sync that life can't continue after and it's like the crowd were never the same. Half of them had to leave halfway through. Half the women in, in the auditorium were pregnant by the end. No, the Velveteen Dream wasn't in this match. He was <laughs> nice. earlier against nice. Naito. So they were pregnant then, but they had their babies by this point. Oh, I get it. I get it. But we've glorious. all seen the Velveteen Dream, right? Yes. Scott, yes. have you seen the Velveteen Dream? Course, I've seen the Velveteen Dream. Like, none of us can get pregnant, but we feel the sensation of pregnancy when we look at him. That's a very solid point. I've never felt closer to pregnant than whenever I see the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, but Okada v. Shane is like, I don't know. It's like, you know, when you see a really young puppy and it runs up to you for the first time and asks for a belly rub. That sensation of just pure bliss and cuteness all wrapped up in the one. The only other thing I say is either that or it's the first time you do ecstasy. It's one or the other. And I feel like I've covered our audience at that point. I I think you have, yeah. Scott, you with me? You're in Glasgow. The first time you saw a bar fight. Hey. I resent that. (laughs) Okay. So that's it. It's either the first time a dog rolled over to get a belly rub, the first time you did ecstasy, or if you're in Glasgow, the first time you saw a bar fight. I know about the dog belly rub thing. I've I've spent a time around dogs. Yeah, again, you live in Glasgow. 
and <laughs> racist. <laughs> it's not racist if it's true. And um, so yeah, that's my main event. Dave Meltzer retires. Twelve and three quarter stars uh, is the final observer, and there's no winner. Okay. I, I I am not speechless many times in my life, but I am speechless. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, it, you know what? Did you guys you guys watched Omega Okada all three of them? I mean four, four. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch the fourth one, um, or one of them because I only remember three. But smash all those together, and you might get half of how good this match is. It's a bold claim, but if it's gonna make if it's gonna make Dave Meltzer retire, then it's got to be at least better. You know what's weird is during this podcast, and this goes out to the audience. We've said a lot of shit. We've said a lot of really. We started out with a woman cupping poo out of a dog's bum. Uh, we've ended up with Kane and various other people winning titles. But I put Shane McMahon via Carter up against each other, and that's what makes these two speechless. Like it's unrealistic. <laughs> I think I think that at this point we've been so beat down by the Jinder Mahals and the the Lacey Evans of it all. That was thirty seconds of my show. <laughs> <laughs> and what a show! It's a wonderful life, as Michael Cole, if he was on commentary, would continuously say. None of us put him on commentary. And you're surprised? No, I'm not. But yeah, it's a draw between Shane McMahon and Okada. Is that how your show goes off there? With just Okada and Shane in the ring, acknowledging they're on equal footing and Meltzer retires? No, and you know what? I was really hoping one of you would ask. Because my show actually goes off the air. We go backstage, and what do we see? But the iconics. And they're drinking their bottle of champagne. Their bottle of champagne, which is the current reigning, defended, undisputed DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight Champion of the World. And they finish it. They throw it to the floor, smashing it because they're Australian and they can't drink. Calling out any Australians out there. And uh, smashing the bottle, they smashed champion. And suddenly, out of nowhere, Billy Kay takes a boot to the face and she falls off the back of the sofa. Peyton Royce looks up and she says in her iconic voice, which I'm not going to mimic because I'm not racist, what you doing, love? Boot to the face. And then a big boot stamps on the smashed glass. One, two, three. Nathan Greenaway's, in his own words, worst enemy of all time, biggest asshole. He warned you guys. It's Sean Spears. And it's and he is the DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight Champion of the World. I warned you guys, and that's how my show got off the air. Sean Spears, my worst. Remember when I warned you guys about Sean Spears? And whoever was judged didn't believe me. I believe I was judged for that, and yeah, I didn't believe you. Yeah, and that's how it's a wonderful life ends. It's not a wonderful life because that guy's a prick. Well, I mean, I've never felt out of breath just from listening to a, a show finish, but wow. Do you want me to run through it all again? No, thank no. you. Okay, it's fine. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. It's at the KFC Yamarina. 
Okay. So I don't know. I don't know how Justin Bieber comes into this. <laughs> Hopefully not at all. Well, he's a song person. But, uh, Jimmy, uh, do you want to go next to your main event, or do you want me to go? What do you want to do? Uh, I'll do mine next. Um, so all night has been leading up to this fantastic triple threat ladder match for the vacant World Heavyweight Championship. Velveteen Dream, Pete Dunne, Kevin Owens. Um, the match goes 27 and a half minutes. These men are just beating the holy hell out of each other. Kevin Owens gets hit with a Dream Valley driver and rolls out of the ring for a few minutes. Pete Dunne rolls uh, and is trying to get Velveteen Dream uh, off of the ladder. Velveteen Dream comes within inches of the title multiple times. Pete Dunne grabs him, hits him with the bitter end off of the ladder. And as Pete Dunne is ascending to the ch- to the championship, a championship he sacrificed everything for. He went the distance in the elimination chamber early in, earlier in the evening. He sacrificed his intercontinental championship to get to this title. He gets his fingers on the title, but then all of a sudden, Kevin Owens rolls back into the ring and hits a pop-up powerbomb off the ladder, and he struts his way up to the top of the ladder. Kevin Owens wins the world title, as he wins the world title, he comes off the ladder and beats down Pete Dunne, power bombs him through the announce table, taunting him the entire time, saying that he will never be as good as Kevin Owens and that this is the reason why this is the Kevin Owens show. And we go off the air. Wow. That is one hell of a mean event. <laughs> Thank you. That was crazy. Well, I guess that just is my main event. It feels like forever since I've actually talked about my car, to be honest with you. I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, my main event, as I said, uh, I don't want to feel like I'm rushing on from Jimmy's one, but we have been going for two hours now. And both guys have great main events, but I want to talk about my main event, which, as I said earlier, is a six-pack challenge to Duke the first ever six-star wrestling world heavyweight champion. Huh? And, gentlemen, sit back, for I will tell you a tale, because what a tangled web was weaved to get us here. Because, also, the announcement of Starman Palooza, don't forget that's the name of this show, uh, <laughs> they announced the cult, the crowning of the first ever six-star champion. They were interrupted at the, the bookers behind the show, who remain nameless, uh, were interrupted at the press conference announcing the show by huh? Jake Hager interrupted saying he should be gifted, he should be awarded the six star wrestling championship as in this company's previous incarnation he was the, the he was the champion, he was never beaten, he was the greatest champion ever. So which does not sit right with Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson, who says that he, the only reason Hager held on to that belt until the previous incarnation's closure was because he never came up against him because he was scared of him. So it looks like it's going to be these two one-on-one-on-one match when uh, Johnny Impact, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, call him what you will, uh, and says before Hager took that one at the time, so if you won it from him, and Mundo held it for ages and ages because the company barely did shows. And like if anybody's going to be creating the new champion it should be me so the creative minds behind to decide you three all deserve a shot but there's a lot of great talent out there so they put it out to the uh they put it out 
an open invite to international talent to have a six-pack challenge. They're saying the contract. RVD was scheduled to be in the match. He wanders into the room, signs the contract. I'll be honest, he didn't realise what he was saying. He was high at the time. He was only until a few days later he was told, by the way, you signed a contract to be in a world championship match. And the other two spots will be filled by Jordan Devlin and Ilya Dragunov. And wow. obviously there's only one man who could possibly be guest referee for this match. The only one man who can control the chaos. He is a man who knows a lot about six stars. The guest referee is Dave Meltzer. <laughs> he retires from journalism yes. to become a referee in the main event. Oh my god, are, are our shows like two weeks apart? <laughs> this whole right. time. <laughs> We're actually back to back. I, sh- I should have mentioned midway through the show, the commentator said that the uh, the powers that be have announced that they have they are finding a suitable replacement for RVD, who I remember I said was taken out backstage earlier on and Jer- by Jericho to take both the 24-7 and DT Ironman heavy metalweight titles. So all I can't, can't expect us to remember all that. And, uh, well, RVD was maybe match he's been taken out. So the other five men are in the ring. And these, this, the crowd's silent. The crowd are anticipating. They're going, oh, they don't know who it's going to be. And then we hear the music. R E D. From Newcastle upon Town, he's a bastard. It's Pack. Oh my God! So a hole in his leg and a tear in his eye. So oh you, God, have you guys you, seen that picture? It's horrible. Oh my God, Jimmy, you seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh my God, it's horrifying. Yeah, it's real bad. So to be true, guys. The main event for the Six Star Wrestling Championship, guest referee by Dave Meltzer, is Zach Gibson versus Jake Hager versus Johnny Mundo versus Ilya Dragon versus Jordan Devlin versus Pac. Good God. Goddamn flips. Yep, there's a lot of flips. The matching is really hard to keep up with. Dave Meltzer just calculating his head. How many stars would I give this? Like, he's, in fact, he's counting. And Good because. Because he was, because nobody expected him, nobody could plan for him. The show goes off air with the bastard pack holding aloft the six star wrestling championship, which is actually the five star wrestling title, but the five has been tipped, covered in tip X and the, <laughs> and the number six has been put in a permanent marker. <laughs> I mean, I don't need to describe this match. Think of the men involved in this match and just think how great this would be. I have a sequence where Jake Hager keeps putting people in... Uh, people keep going to superkick Jake Hager and he keeps putting them in ankle locks. And then he goes to tackles. That gives them, that gives them, puts them in the Shankly gates. That's awesome. Yeah, so Pack wins with the Black Arrows now called and he pins Johnny Bindo to be the champion and he's holding the belt off with Sam being raised by Dave Meltzer as the show goes off air. What a phenomenal... Good God. I think we got three perfect shows. That's... Yeah, there's a, like... If you guys could only watch one of these cards, what one do you think you'd probably buy the pay-per-view of on Fight TV or ITV Box Office, depending on where you are? Uh, who's going first? 
I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go first and say my my show. Uh, I really love some of the matches that I put together here. Uh, I hate to say just my show, but Scott's yours is like a close second, and just for some of the like atrocious things that happened on the cavalcade of craziness that was Nathan's show, I'd have to say no thank you to Nathan's show. <laughs> Scott, I mean. Curiosity would probably, uh, like, I don't want to say my own show, but Curiosity would probably, like, it, I would definitely be interested in buying Nathan's show just, like, out of pure curiosity. But I think I would probably, uh, I'd probably watch Jimmy's one because there's two elimination chambers and a ladder match. Like, logistically, how that would happen, I'd have to see that. And I'm a bit done with Jimmy McMahon at the moment. Yeah, that's great, Scott. I, I don't buy my own. Um, <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. I'd buy my own. If nothing else, for you've got two hours of just 24-7 tiles. Two 24-7 tiles. Interweaving stories throughout that show. And, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd buy it. I wouldn't buy it. I'd probably just end up watching Jimmy's. Because <laughs> <laughs> I imagine Jimmy's would be on the network. Mine wouldn't. I mean, I think mine's for its main event alone is worth is worth checking out this six pack challenge. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know what? Fuck you, Jimmy. I'm gonna vote for my own. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I forgot. I'm just reading through it now. I'm literally just looking to my left now at a different screen and reading through mine. Yeah, fuck it. Why would I not buy my own? I've got. Our truth backstage with his titles and goes to Earl Hebner's office and hides under a rug. Why would I not pay for that? I mean, why would you not pay for any of these shows? I mean, look at them. I don't remember a lot of what either of us said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't. I, I, I don't remember what Jimmy said. <laughs> I was a lot. I was much. I was a much younger man when this when this podcast started. I just don't remember anything. <laughs> I, do, I do remember my 30s well. We were about halfway through Scott's uh, card yeah. and about a quarter of the way through Nathan's card. And, uh, you know, it was, it was say, a good... I will say that on live on recording, I would admit that, when Scott said, hey, which one do you vote for? I was like, I don't remember what any three of us said. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look to my left and go, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> Jeez, you know, you know it's been a rough evening when even you have to go like, what was I on about? The fuck? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember Jinder Mahal beat Brock Lesnar, which I think is fair. Oh, for fuck's sake. I remember when uh, I came come up. Come on, I, that's fair. One of the first matches I put down my card was that 24-7 DET match. And because I wanted all the shenanigans later on, I thought I was so clever for putting that yeah. down. And then, and then fucking Nathan comes in. I wanted both. Like, I wanted both of them. I wanted my. I started off planning this. I wanted both the twenty four seven and the DDT Ironman Heavyweight Championship. So that's that was my starting point. And I built the matches around that. Uh, well, guys, I was gonna say like I enjoy doing these career ones. I I love doing career wrestling. I think like as long as this one's going, this has been a really fun show to do. Yeah, this was a good show. It's a Wonderful Life was It's a Wonderful Pay-Per-View. <laughs> Coca-Cola presents Wrestling Beyond the Sun. 
Oh, fuck you. Potentially. I you my thing. Potent- I told you I fucking named it to pop you. After that was that- like three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally a different day for me and Scott. <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully you guys haven't hit another different day or a different time zone while you're listening to us here. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed our cards. Uh, Scott, please hit us with your plugs first. Well, if I can remember them, it's been so long, but you can find me on Twitter. That's got my cloud You can find my other podcast, got my Paul's podcast on Twitter at SB Rambling and Facebook.com forward slash Realm Podcast. All the links are there. Uh, as, as I said, we talk a lot about Fraser. If you enjoyed that part of the show, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about SummerSlam this coming week because we're going to be recording an episode covering SummerSlam 1993 as well as predictions for this for this year's SummerSlam. Nice. Uh, yeah, as always, you can find Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinion on the Twitter and the Instagram. Uh, I love Frasier, so Scott, if you ever want me on your pod- on your other podcast, Frasier's amazing show, I'll join you. Myself and Jimmy, who I'll be throwing it to in a second, will be covering SummerSlam next week, either Monday or Tuesday. We will come back with our thoughts, but we will be competing in predictions. Uh, head over to Medium, that's E-M-D-I-U-M uh, where Anthony Fitzpatrick has been chucking up many an article on some fascinating sports topics that he thinks is good. The Naked Men podcast was interrupted rudely by the Jimmy Baxter and Rahawas Nani this week. That went up earlier today at time of recording where we covered I don't even remember. We were meant to cover slang and I think we covered everything but apart from 10 minutes of it. As always... Uh, but myself, I am at Nathan Greenaway. Jimmy, over to you. Uh, well, just uh, plainly, I am at Mr. Riot on Twitter. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. And uh, if you're on Xbox, I'm at Mr. Riot, the icon. All the zeros are O's or vice versa. The, uh, I don't remember what's going on anymore. It's been a long night. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. Uh, Scott and Nathan, I really do appreciate you guys staying up. And making making the time to be able to create our very own pay-per-views. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And if you're still listening at this point, tweet us. Tweet at us, at Rogue underscore Opinion. Let us know whose card you'd, uh, you'd prefer. Hashtag Jim, hashtag Nathan, or hashtag Scott. Let us know. I can see my fantasy. I'm